Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Did you know that you're living in overflow? We're all living in overflow. The overflow can either be good or it can be bad. So I wonder how things are going for you at the moment in your life. I wonder if you're really happy about where you're at, if you know your circumstances are fantastic and in your heart things are going really well. I wonder if that's the case for you. Or I wonder if things are pretty difficult. If maybe the last two years it's been a bit of a challenge, maybe you've picked up some rhythms and some habits and now you find yourself going, gosh, I'm not really where I'd like to be at the moment. So I wonder what overflow you're living in. You see, overflow um, is related to this principle of sowing and reaping. Has anyone ever heard of sowing and reaping before? Those who have been here for the series have definitely heard about it, but even a lot of Christians know about this principle of sowing and reaping. And uh, to make it very simple for you, this is basically how it works. You reap what you sow. (laughs) So we're actually living Um, in a harvest of some of the seeds that we have sown in seasons past. So if you're not happy with where you're at right now, maybe it's because yesterday, last month, last year, 10 years ago, maybe, maybe you sowed some things that weren't that good. And now you're living in the harvest of that. And that can sound a bit sad and like a bit of a bummer, but there is good news, everybody. And that is that we can re-engineer this thing. Like if you don't like where you're at now, all you got to do is start sowing the right seed. And if you start to sow the right seed now, then tomorrow, next month, a few years from now, your life, it's going to look completely different. You're going to be living in the overflow of the good seeds that you start to sow now. So put up your hand if you wouldn't mind living in some good overflow. Come on. I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be living in good overflow in my life. And that is the word that God gave to our church um, this year. So we're really going after it in this series. So we've already had two messages. If you haven't heard those, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. They were fantastic messages on the theme of overflow. And today I'm preaching the third message in the series. And the name of this message is Turning It Around. Who would like to turn things around? If you're not really happy with where you're at, one of the best things that can happen is when you turn things around and then all of a sudden your life starts to get a heck of a lot better. And I know that I've been in different seasons in my life where what I needed to do is I just needed to turn around. I just needed to get back on track. So that's what we're looking at today, this idea of turning it around. And I'm actually going to start off um, with a sad story. Okay, so I know, really, a sad story. It's been a buzz. It's been awesome so far. And you're going to hit us with a sad story. I'm so sorry, everybody. But I promise you this. It's going to start a little bit sober, but then this thing's going to heat up and it's going to finish on a real high. Okay, so I'm going to start with a sad story. And I'm actually going to preface this by saying this is actually, if you're, you're here today and you're new, this actually really isn't for you, this story. Um, this is more for those people who call Bright Church their home church and you've been following Jesus for a long time. So if that's you, then this... Slightly sad story, (laughs) it's for you. I wrote it myself, by the way. It is quite short, so don't worry. Um, Here we go. There once was a Christian named Person. I couldn't think of a good name. Person believed in Jesus, but struggled to obey Jesus. They needed, they knew what to do, but failed to do. They once heard a sermon called Overflow, 
It contained exactly what they needed to live a fuller life. But, it's not a funny story. What's going on? (laughs) But they failed to put into practice some of the things that they heard. And person remains stuck. The end. I told you, it was a downer. (laughs) I beg you, bright church, don't be that person. Because when we are simply hearers of the word and not doers of the word, what happens is we don't overcome and move past our challenges. We don't grow and we stay stuck. And that is not God's will for any person in this room today. It isn't. His plan for you is that you would live a full life, that you would reach your potential in Him. So if you're stuck today, guess what? He's got a plan to get you unstuck. And that's what we're going to be going after. So I want to read to you a passage of Scripture out of Deuteronomy. Um, We're going to be looking at chapter 30, and I'm going to be reading verses 15 through to 20. So if you have your Bibles, now is the time you can open them up. But I recognize that it is 2022 and often people do not bring their Bibles to church. Anyone bring their Bible to church today? Oh, there we go. The super spiritual ones in the room. Some people have their Bibles, but if you don't, the verses will be behind me. So let's read together. It says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So right there, we actually see that principle of sowing and reaping. So what is being said, if you sow obedience, like if you sow following the commandments of God, then what's going to happen is surely you you will multiply and you will be blessed in this great land that you're heading into. So that's the reaping. Now it goes on to say this in verse 17, and this is where things get really interesting. It says, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give to them. So those words were spoken by Moses to the people of Israel at the end of his life. And when you're coming to the end of your life, you're going to make your words matter. You're going to make it count. What you say, it's almost like a plead. It's your final bit of wisdom that you want to throw out there. So Moses is pleading to the people of Israel. He's saying, hey, choose life, not death. At the heart of it, what he's really saying here, he's saying, Israel, repent and stay repentant. You see, this series of overflow, the idea of sowing and reaping, it has so many positive possibilities. Man, so many positive possibilities. When you think about it, if, if, I, just, if I just start to sow the right seed, then my life is going to change. I just got to start sowing the right seed. I just got to start obeying. 
obeying the commandments of Jesus, you know, I just got to start doing my spiritual disciplines. If I start to do these things, then my life is going to drastically change. But, but here's the thing about the sowing and reaping principle. The sowing and reaping principle is lost on an unrepentant person. It's very hard if you're unrepentant to actually do the things necessary to reap the benefits of the sowing and reaping principle. Does that make sense? And that's why you can be at church and you can hear a fantastic series and it's great head knowledge. You'll go out and you're like, awesome, but then your life doesn't change. Because what has to happen first is your heart needs to turn. As a pastor, I haven't been doing this very long. I'll be honest with you, three years. I've learned a lot in three years. Um, I look at some of the other amazing pastors at Bright Church and I go, wow, I've got a long way to go. I see the way that Pastor Ben leads, the way that Pastor Ben speaks. I'm like, gosh, I can't, whew, man, I want to I wanna get more, I want to become more like him. That's, that's awesome. I see the way that Pastor Ruth, she's so empathetic. Like she, it is unbelievable. She just has a way of getting into the mind of other people. And honestly, it's like she can feel everything that they feel. So then she just offers perspectives that make you go, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. She's incredible. Like we have incredible leaders, incredible pastors here at, at Bright Church. And um, I'm, I'm doing my best. And, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making some progress. But one of the reasons, thanks guys. Um, but one of the reasons that I say that, like I feel like I'm still growing in this thing, is because when people come to me and share maybe some of the challenges, some of the things that are going on in their life, I often, honestly, I feel like most problems can be answered with two questions. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, if I'm the only like, pastor or leader who, who thinks this. Maybe there's others who think similarly. Um, but honestly, I feel like most problems and stuff that people are going through, you can answer, with, answer their problems with one of two questions. Here's, here's the first one. Um, have you been spending time with God? And the reason why that is so often just a go-to answer uh, for a pastor, for someone who's struggling, is because I think that when we're really struggling, what we really need, we need, a, we need, God, we need God's perspective. And when you're spending time with God, God gets bigger, your problems, they get smaller. Um, you have more clarity, you have more direction. And gosh, goodness me, I just find, honestly, people who spend a lot of time with God, they just seem to be in a great place. They just seem to be in a better place. So that's one of the answers. And uh, here's the second answer to a lot of people's problems I find anyway when they come to me. And that is, have you properly repented and are fully following Jesus? Right now, what has your heart? Because if God really had your heart, if your heart was towards him, you were fully following him with all of your life, then maybe some of those struggles and things that you're dealing with at the moment, they just wouldn't be a factor. They wouldn't be a thing. So the question is like this dirty word, repentance. And it is a dirty word, isn't it? In, in Christian circles, it's the one thing, oh goodness me, preaching on repentance. Oh no, I might skip that Sunday. You know, it's a tough thing. Um, and, and it sends a shiver down the spines of a lot of people. Uh, so what is repentance? It's actually not as scary Uh, as it first seems in the word. So repentance, simply put, is turning your heart. So your heart is in a certain direction. That direction isn't towards God. And what you do when you're repenting is you're turning your heart back towards God. And it's a very powerful thing to do. 
So you can be in a sermon series and you can hear all about sowing and reaping. You can hear, hey, if you, if you sow prayer in your life, if you sow prayer, you start to pray, then you're going to reap more intimacy with Jesus. And then you're going to have more peace. You can hear and you can believe that if you sow reading your Bible, then you're going to have more clarity and direction. That's going to be the thing that you really start to reap. You can hear that if you start to sow praise, you know, even when you don't feel like it, even when things are going wrong, if you start to sow praise in your life, then you're going to start to reap joy and maybe even start to reap breakthrough. You can hear and you can believe all of those things. But if your heart has turned away from God and isn't towards God, then you're never going to implement any of that stuff and you're going to stay stuck. And that's the truth. It's the truth. So the question is, like, what, what turns a heart? Like, how can someone be going to church every single Sunday, rocking up to small group? Um, they want to grow. They want to do discipleship. They want to connect with others. They're coming along to prayer meetings, even at these devilish early hours in the morning. Right? How can someone be on fire for Jesus like that? And then all of a sudden, oh, it's like, oh, I don't, don't want to go to church today. Oh, I don't really... I don't really feel like reading my Bible or praying or anything like that. How does that happen? How do we grow cold? And in verse 17, we get some insight in Deuteronomy chapter 30. We've read it once. I want to read it again. So Moses says, But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. It says that they are drawn away. You see, the enemy of your soul will seduce you with idols to turn your heart. In 2020, I decided to buy an Xbox One. <laughs> um, just a little something about me. I'm not like a huge gamer. I used to game a fair bit on my PlayStation 2 when I was like 14. Okay, So that was like the last time I really played games. But then in 2020, it's COVID, right? It's locked down. All of a sudden, we have more time on our hands. Now I'm thinking, what a great way to spend my extra time to just play games where we, I, sh I shoot people and win missions and win victories and it's going to be an amazing thing. So I decided that would be a great way to spend my time, you know, because um, I've already done all my Bible reading and prayer in the morning. And uh, so, yeah. So I get my Xbox One and I go and I buy it. And of course, I'm a married man, so there's a process here. So first I go to the wife and I just explain to her how this is really going to help me become more of a man. <laughs> so I sell it to her and she takes the bait. <laughs> so then I head down to the shops, I buy, my, uh, I buy my Xbox One, I bring it home and I start to play. And one of the reasons I got this thing was because there was a bunch of guys at Bright Church who were playing a game called Halo. I'm not sure if you heard of it before. But it's just this kind of shooting game. There isn't a lot of blood and stuff, so it's kind of PG. So it's, I reckon it's okay. So they, they were playing Halo online, and they were like teaming up together, and just it just sounded like fun, you know. Sometimes you just feel, you feel like you're missing out on stuff. I felt like that, so I had a bit of FOMO. So I, I got my Xbox. Now things were fine at the start, you know, an hour here or there throughout the week. But then that hour that that turned into two hours here or there throughout the week. And I knew I had a problem when the, it was one night, I was sitting down, I was playing my Xbox in, fr in front of the TV, of course, and uh, my wife just wanders out of the bedroom in her dressing gown. She kind of looks my way. And you know when you can just tell someone has been in a deep sleep for a while? 
they just have this glazed over look on their face and she kind of just squints at me, maybe a bit of a shake of the head, goes to the bathroom and goes back to bed. I'm like, what? It's not even, it's not even that late. I mean, come on. And then I looked at my watch and, oh goodness me, it's like 3 a.m. <laughs> and that's when I realized that something's got to give here. So something, something has to change. But, but I find it interesting how even the small things, you know, like it, even just the small things in life, how they can start to creep in yeah. and they can start to just seduce our heart a bit. Yeah. And where we were once completely like devoted to God and just on track and on the path, all of a sudden we just kind of get sucked in. Um, we just get seduced and before we know it, our heart has turned away towards, towards other things. In Matthew 6.13, Jesus gives us a model for prayer. And it's quite, it's quite powerful. It's a great template. And within that, in verse 13, he says that we, could, we should pray this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I must have not have been praying that prayer a lot before I made that decision to buy that Xbox. <laughs> Lead us not into temptation, right? So Jesus, it, it would go well. It would be smart, Jesus is saying, if you pray this prayer to not be led into temptation. And what that tells me, is that we're weak. We're weaker than we realize. I'm weak, you're weak, we're all weak. And I think that's why Jesus says, hey, pray the prayer, lead me not into temptation, rather than saying, pray this, give me the, the strength and the striving ability to overcome the temptation when I'm already fully in it and immersed in it. So Jesus says, hey, pray the prayer, lead us not into temptation because we're weak. And he knows that we are easily seduced into the wrong thing. So my question for everyone right now is, I wonder what you've been seduced into. I wonder what has maybe just crept in over the last couple of years of COVID and lockdown. I wonder what habits and rhythms you've started to develop that has kind of started to, to move your heart, maybe away from God and towards other things. Now, here's the good news if you're in that position. And that is, you have a helper. The Holy Spirit is His name. And He speaks to His people. He speaks to you. How does He speak, speak to you? He speaks to you through the language of conviction. So what you need to know that if your heart has been drawn away and maybe you need to turn back towards God, so you need to repent and move back towards God, you need to know that actual, actually that repentance, coming back towards God, what initiates it is the overflow of that conviction. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He will whisper to us. And this threshold will be reached where then we start to shift back towards God. So how does conviction work? What's up with this? Well, God, He's omnipresent, which means that He can be anywhere and everywhere at once. Unlike us. We're here today. We're in this room. Hopefully you're happy to be here. Who's happy to be at church today? Come yeah, come on. So we're here. We can only be in one place at once, but, but God, He can be in many different places at once. And he, he speaks to His people, and He speaks to His people through dreams, through visions. Um, and I've even met a person before who told me that she'd actually heard the audible voice of God a couple of times. That's never happened to me, but God can do it if He chooses to. 
But I think for the majority of us, a lot of the time, the way that God speaks to us is through our feelings and our thoughts. And this is what conviction can sound like from the Holy Spirit. It's just this close whisper that says, come back to me. Turn around. What you're doing at the moment, that's not really you. You may have just done that thing, but that's not really you. I've actually, I've called you to more than that. So turn around. Come back to me. I think sometimes we can think that conviction is a negative thing and it can have a negative connotation, but conviction is definitely not a negative thing. Conviction isn't designed to shame us. Its purpose is actually to change us. It's encouraging us to live up to the standard that God has set. And there is an amazing story of conviction in the Bible. It's in the book of Luke. And I want to go there right now. And I want to share to you um, just what takes place in this story, because there's so much that we can learn from it. And just to paint a little bit of a picture, the story is the story of the prodigal son. So basically, just for some context, we have a father. He's quite rich. He has a couple of sons. He has a lot of servants. And then one of his sons has the audacity to go up to him and be like, Dad, I want my inheritance. Because he wants to go and he wants to do his own thing. He doesn't want to do what his father maybe wants him to do. He, wa he wants to live his own way. He wants to do his own thing. So he comes to the father and he says, Father, I, I want my inheritance. If I did that to my father, I reckon he would slap me across the head. <laughs> and I'm not sure what your father would do to you. But it's amazing how this father in the story is so gracious. Yeah. And he's actually like, okay. He knows that his son is about to make a terrible decision. But he allows him to go down that path. And I think it's funny, like with God sometimes, when we continue to, to want things that aren't of Him and, and we continue to, to kind of stray away, often God can go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go down this path. And God can do that with us. But He, has, he does have a sovereign plan and we're going to read what happens. So the, the, the young man, he gets his inheritance and then what he does, he goes off and he completely blows it. He completely blows the inheritance and uh, he ends up in the lowest of low places. So low, it's going so bad that he's like, goodness me, the servants of my father had more than what I've got right now. Like I'm eating the scraps that the animals eat and the servants of my father, they, they have it way better than I have it. So he makes a decision that he wants to head home. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 17, Luke chapter 15. So this is what it says. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. At the very start of that, in verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself. That right there, that's conviction. That's conviction. He would have been hearing this voice saying, come home, come back. And he heard it enough times that the threshold was reached and he decides, you know what? Yep, I'm going to head home. He came to himself. He woke up. 
I wonder if you've ever had one of those moments before when you've come to yourself. I know I have. When I was 22 years old, I had a coming to myself moment. I had been far from God for a long time. From about the age of 18 to 22, I I just wandered away. Um, Just like the son in this story, there were other things that I wanted to do. and, And I was kind of seduced, my heart was seduced into other things. So I just went down that path. And I just found myself in a really low place, in a really dark place. But there was always this voice that was saying, come back. And for me, it was come back to church. Because for me, that was the only real place that I ever, ever really experienced God before. So I associated church with God and that's the way that it should be. So I heard that voice, come back to me, come back to church. And eventually it just reached the threshold and I'm like, fine. Like, I'm going to go back. Okay, God, I'm going back. Things cannot get worse than this. I'm coming back. So, um, like any really strong, confident 22-year-old male, I went to my dad and I said, Daddy, (laughs) will you come back to church with me? (laughs) Because he was going to a different church at this point. And um, so I went to my dad and I said, Hey, Dad, would you, I feel like I've got to get back to church. Will Will you come back to church with me, and it was this church. And um, I find it so interesting that sometimes when you're, when you're in a low place and you can hear that voice of the Holy Spirit, hey, turn around, come back to me. Man, it's so good to have people around you who can help you take that step. And that's why I just really wanna encourage people right now. If you don't have people in your life, um, maybe who are, are Christians, uh, if you're not connected into a church, into a small group, I really wanna encourage you to do that because sometimes we need others to help us take that first step. So my dad was there for me and I turned around and I came back to church. And it was a very, very powerful experience for me. The Holy Spirit convicts us so we can have a come to ourselves moment. To change, it starts with coming to yourself. The conviction builds up until the threshold is reached and then all of a sudden you have that wake up moment. You work up the courage to head home like what I had to do and just like the son in this story had to do. It can be a little bit sad (laughs) to make that transition and walk back. It, It requires a meekness, but I tell you, it is such an amazing thing. It is such a beautiful thing. And this is where it gets interesting because although that's initially what repentance looks like, it is this build up of conviction until we change, this is where we enter into phase two of, convic- of repentance. And this is where things get amazing. So initial repentance is the overflow of his conviction. But lasting repentance is the overflow of his love. So I'm going to just invite my helpers here to bring some things up onto the platform. Why don't we give them a hand as they bring this stuff up onto the platform. Uh, Hopefully I'm not blocking people out too bad on on this side of the room. So the son, he's made the decision to come back home. So he's on his way back home right now. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 20. It says, and he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That right there, 
that is unconditional, undeserved, relentless love. That is God's love. So the man, he turns around, he comes back to his father and he's met with this overflow of love. This cup, this cup represents our heart. And as you can see, it looks quite clear and it looks nice and pure, nice and holy. And this right here, this is just evil right here. <laughs> this is demonic. When we're seduced by things and things grab our heart and they start to pull our heart into directions and places where we shouldn't go, what happens is our heart can just start to get a bit polluted with stuff. And it can be really simple things. Kind of like the way that my heart was kind of pulled by, by my Xbox, right? But it's funny how just the small things, they can just start to creep in, our heart can start to be seduced. And before we know it, our heart, it's not, it's not in a great place. So our heart is in this state when God starts to speak to us. When we start to feel that conviction from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, come back, turn around, come towards me. So we start to head back towards God with this polluted heart. And as we're heading back towards God, we, we feel bad at this point. Like we feel as though we deserve punishment. We feel as though we deserve to be shut out, shunned. Because let's face it, like in the world that we live, that's what happens when you mess up, right? So, so we expect the worst. And in this story, the man, when he heads back towards the father, he's expecting shame. He's expecting punishment. But that's not what he gets. Instead, he gets love. This right here, this is the love of God. It's also a wine decanter, but uh, this is the love of God right here. So as we start to head back towards God, He runs towards us and He starts to pour into us. He starts to dilute the evil, the polluted things that we've picked up in our lives. And as we run towards Him, He pours and He pours and this is where it gets interesting because all of a sudden he's running towards us. We take a small step towards him and he is running towards us. And he pours 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 and he keeps pouring. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this love of God. But he pours and he pours and he pours and he pours and he pours into us until we're different. And we don't... We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but He does it and He pours into us. And that's the beauty of repentance. Lasting repentance. It's the overflow of His love. And it's a powerful thing. Let's keep reading the story. So it says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him. Right there, that's love. 
and he put a ring on his hand. Right there, confidence is being restored in the person who's drifted away from God. This is where we just hope that things don't pour all over the platform, everybody. Nice work, guys. Why don't we give them a hand for this? And then it goes on to say, and he put shoes on his feet. Can you just imagine being in such a low place that you don't have shoes, your feet are dirty and disgusting. You just don't feel right. You feel, you feel dirty. But his feet are washed, shoes are put on his feet. That's his dignity being restored right there. That's love. And it says in verse 23, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate love, 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 love. That's the beauty of repentance. We we start to move our heart back towards God. And as soon as we start to do that, where, where we kind of maybe expect punishment, we expect to be shunned out, God just pours His love into us and it transforms us. And as I read that, there are a few things about the Son that really stand out to me that we can learn a lot from. And that's the condition that He's in when He comes back to the Father. You see, there are two things that stand out to me. The first one is humility. Man, it takes humility sometimes to turn things around. You gotta actually admit that you're off the track and you should, you're not where you should be. And you actually gotta ask for help. And maybe sometimes that just looks like going to God. You haven't gone to God in a long time. You're heading back to, towards God. It takes humility. And the second thing I notice is that He has a servant heart. When the son comes back to the father, it says that he is just hoping that he'll be treated like a servant. And I think that when people come back to God in humility and they come back honestly, not even expecting love, but willing to do whatever it takes to be a servant, that acts as almost the catalyst for God to pouring a type of love into us that drastically changes us. What I want to do now is I want to pray. So I want to invite everyone to stand. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.